Hey there, loyal listeners. Welcome to a special edition of the HLS podcast uh, and also a little bit of an unscheduled edition. Uh, we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, we actually had some major Notre Dame news break with Chip Long uh, not returning to Notre Dame. I have a very special guest that I will be talking to about such news, uh, but we'll get to that later because the other reason I'm doing this as well is because as this podcast release on Friday, December 13th, uh, that evening at 7 p.m. Central, I will be starting a 24-hour video game stream. And the reason I'm doing this is a part of an effort called Extra Life. Extra Life benefits the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. And I play in honor of a young man named Avon. He's the son of family friends of ours. He passed away from leukemia at the age of two. Now, Avon received treatment over at the OU Medical Center, where the Children's Hospital Foundation of Oklahoma City runs that particular CMN hospital. So I play for them, and in particular as well, because y'all have helped me raise over $5,000 the past couple of years. All of the money goes directly to cancer research, to the Blake Shelton Cancer Research Fund. So we're doing this in a little bit of promotion as well. So we're, we're just kind of combining the two, a little bit of uh, uh, charity synergy, if you will. It just all kind of worked out very well and planned this uh, one of these interviews a little while in advance and had a chance. Uh, I should go ahead and, and peel back the onion a little bit. I will be talking with Ty Hildenbrandt of the Solid Verbal about Chip Long, uh, potential offensive coordinator replacements, and overall thoughts on the Notre Dame season. So he will lead off the show. And we also go into talking a little bit of video games as well. Uh, The actual thing that we planned way back when we talked about this in August, uh, talking about some memories of the Legend of Zelda series, which is what I am playing in my charity efforts. After Ty, I highly, highly encourage you to stay on because for the first time this year, I have actually brought somebody on from the Oklahoma, from the Children's Hospital Foundation of Oklahoma City. You will hear Vicki Lewis Ernst, who is my contact over at the Children's Hospital Foundation, and she will give you better insight than I ever could into what this money goes to, the work that the Children's Hospital does, and in particular what the cancer research funds do. So hang tight, enjoy this special episode, and if you would, please spread the word about this little effort you can donate by going to extralife.ndtext.com that is extra life all one word dot ndtex.com and anything you can do even one dollar can make a difference please spread the word again we will be kicking off friday evening 7 p.m central but the donations will be accepted until the end of the year. So please be generous. Please spread the word. And without further ado, let's get to tie. All right, everyone, I am joined by none other than Ty Hildebrandt from the Solid Verbal Podcast, and uh, I got to talk to him early this season, but now it is in a different vein. It is for charity, Uh, but how are you doing, Ty? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I I think both of us are trying to take a a deep breath now that the college football season is is over. Uh, You you doing three podcasts a week now, I'm sure has been a big change for y'all. It has. This is the first year we tried to do it consistently throughout the the full season. 
uh, in previous years we had done one-off podcasts and on some weeks we had three, but yeah, this was, this is really the first time we made a concerted effort to up our game and uh, it was very rewarding. It was a ton of fun. We'll probably do it again next year, but I'd be lying if I said I'm not taking a deep breath now and relaxing a bit being so the regular season's over. Uh, I, I don't blame you whatsoever. I'm looking forward to taking my own deep breath in a little bit after this uh, 24 or 25 hour insanity, whatever it ends up being is over. Uh, but what ends up working out because you and I got to, to chat when you were down in Dallas for the live show and seeing if you wanted to come on. Uh, but back then, I think neither of us thought that uh, Ty, I'd be sitting here with you and then be, well, Notre Dame is now looking for a new offensive coordinator with Chip Long, uh, I guess not being asked back. It's almost like, you know, uh, you're waiting for a homecoming date or something. You're not really sure if your significant other or the person you got your eye on is going to ask you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I got to look somewhere else now. Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, there, there had been rumors before that Chip Long might be on his way out and it didn't happen. And um, I think the best thing I read about Chip Long, uh, just kind of in the wake of all this, and I forget who wrote it, was that Chip Long was an acquired taste. And that, I, you know, I've never really heard that as much of a compliment. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the, the, the truth of the matter is, I, I think he did a good job in his time at Notre Dame. He may have been an acquired taste, but um, I, I think by and large, he did, he did a pretty good job. Now we're at the spot where, you know, Chip Long and Notre Dame have decided to mutually part ways. And uh, yeah, it's, um, it, I, I can't decide if I'm excited about the prospect of a new offensive coordinator, or if it's something that, that scares me. And I, I think I go back and forth on that for, for a couple of reasons. But uh, the, the main one is I, I've always had in the pit of my stomach sort of this, I don't know, feeling of disappointment around Ian Book. And it's not because he's really done anything wrong. It's just because I feel like he's limited in terms of what his skill set is. Like there is a really hard ceiling on what he can and can't do. And I think Chip Long did the best he could with Ian Book. And obviously, um, a year ago, they, they did great things with Ian Book. But I, I think part of me is scared that a new offensive coordinator isn't going to be able to get the same out of him. And at the same time, I'm hopeful that a new offensive coordinator might be able to find an extra gear that Chip Long wasn't able to find. So I, I don't know where you stand on it, but I, I kind of go back and forth depending on uh, the time and hour. Yeah. And, and really, uh, I mean, gosh, I took an actual sick day from work when it happened. I just happened to check Twitter. I was like, what? That's okay. He didn't get fired. He, he got left. And then it was kind of interesting to look at the reaction and it, it's, I'm similar to where you are, Ty. It's almost like, um, not really apathy, but it's, I'm not sure what to feel about it because I didn't have too many frustrations with chip long overall. I think some of his game plans were up, bordered on frustrating and, uh, uh, seemed uh, like a Georgia game is a good example to where, you know, I'm not going to attack the line. Let's let's go uh, over to the outside, but let's also not push things down the field too much. Or That's kind of the feeling that I got. But in the same vein, there was also Ian Book that seemed to not be willing to stretch the field as well. So it was kind of hard to figure out, OK, is this a, a chip long thing or is this an Ian Book right. thing? And then, of course, at the end of the season, you know, Ian Ian found his footing things got a lot better and you're like, okay, all right, well maybe we're starting to hit our stride for the next season. 
And now the next season is, is about to be at the doorstep and, and heck uh, now at the bowl game, uh, uh, Tommy Rees is going to be the one calling plays, which is something I would not have imagined saying at the beginning of the season. Although I know he's very well thought of by Brian Kelly. He is, uh, he took an interview at Northwestern, uh, for the offensive coordinator position. He seems to be the, the favorite right now to actually take that, uh, trying to do another promotion from within. And part of me is, you know, wants it to work out because it's such a great story. A Notre Dame quarterback that, you know, has this mind for football and, and he helps lead his alma mater to the promised land. And then the other part of me is a little bit worried that some of the things that drove us nuts with Tommy Rees on the field will then come back to haunt us. So I, I'm in between both. I, I lean a little bit more positive towards it. But uh, Ty, I, I want to get your opinion on this because I, I kind of have a feeling that to me, this feels like if especially if it is Tommy Rees, Brian Kelly kind of going all in as if he's got a couple years left, maybe somewhere about two to three where I'm going for it now. I'm going to do it my way. This is how I want to do it. These are the horses I want to ride with. And it's either going to work or not. And either way, I'm going to be done. Uh, how do you how do you kind of feel like that? Do you feel like BK's trying to wrap things up or do you just feel like he's he's kind of taking the next natural steps uh, that he feels he needs to take with this program? Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I guess my counterpoint would be if if Kelly wants to go all in, as you say, wouldn't the move to be then go out and get Mike Denbrock back from Cincinnati, uh, a guy who had a pretty good tenure at Notre Dame, who put together a dynamic offense a couple of years ago? That's someone that Kelly's more familiar with, especially when it comes to calling plays. Tommy Reese has never done that. So I would think if he's trying to signal, look, I'm going all in, we're going to make this work, that would be more the move. I think if they go to Tommy Reese, it's more a move to um, not only preserve recruits from maybe, say, the 2021 class, some people who have been recruited strongly by Reese, but also to try and keep Reese from going elsewhere because he is viewed in the coaching ranks as very much an up and comer. He's, he's not, he's like 28 years old. He's not 30 yet for sure. And he's the son of a coach. He's obviously been moving up through the ranks pretty quickly. So, um, you know, it, it's, I think a question of the now or the future. And I don't know how you come to that conclusion. I'm sure there are other names that are going to surface in the, in the days and weeks ahead. But um, in my mind, those are like the two real options. And it does come down to, are we planning for this coming year? Or are we planning for five years from now? Yeah. And, and really more so than anything, my, my hope is that even if it is uh, Tommy Rees, that we're at least trying to look to the outside because obviously we have some recent history, uh, the Clark Lee promotion from within, I think everybody would agree that's worked out fairly well. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would hope that, but even with Lee and there was some looking to the outside as well. Um, so I, I just kind of hope that we're, we're taking that in, into mind there because at least for the recruiting aspect, uh, based on everything I've seen from the beats, you know, I, I don't keep my finger on the, the pulse of recruiting super hard, but I at least can tell when things are going bad because everybody's freaking out. Usually it doesn't take too hard to look at Twitter to figure out something's going wrong, but everything seems quiet. Uh, nobody seems to be panicking. The, the class that was promised to sign next week still seems to be together. So, uh, I mean, on that end, all seems well, but uh, I guess Ian books, uh, not Ian book, Tommy Rees is going to get his chance, uh, I guess to audition for the job in the camping world bowl. So all of a sudden, 
that bowl game now has a little bit of an interesting wrinkle to it. It, it does. It does. I am extremely curious to see what that offense looks like. I'm curious to see what what uh, Tommy Reese is able to do with Ian Book. There are some similarities, as I'm sure you will remember, um, between someone like Tommy Reese when he was on the field and Ian Book. Now that he's a starting quarterback, I think Ian Book is obviously a lot more athletic. He can move a lot better than Tommy Reese did, but both are somewhat limited. Uh, in terms of, of arm talent and some of the other skills that they have as quarterbacks. So um, I think if anyone understands it, it's Tommy Reese. Um, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times that he's the son of a coach, so he knows the game. And if, in fact, it is the time for him to audition and see what he can do, there's no better time than, a, than an exhibition game uh, against a pretty good Iowa State team. Let's see what he can get out of this offense and – um, I, I'll go back to what you said on the recruiting front. I, I'm with you. I haven't heard a whole lot along the lines of, oh, the recruiting class is going to fall apart now because there's some uncertainty at the OC slot for Notre Dame. I think Brian Kelly's done a good job building this program to the point where it's stable enough. It can sustain some coaching transition, um, maybe not to the extent of what goes on at Alabama year in and year out, but certainly to lose a coordinator here or there doesn't doesn't necessarily derail the whole operation. So we'll see what Reese can do. And, you know, I, I hope that they're able to make a decision pretty soon thereafter so that if there is any confusion in the recruiting department, um, they're able to steady that ship quickly. Well, I tell you what I, I, I do, at least from my perspective, enjoy about this whole thing. Cause Ty, when we talked in that interview at the beginning of the season, you said, yeah, Notre Dame's just kind of this, boring good team that doesn't have a whole lot of drama or storylines but with this little shakeup, oh man ty the rumors have been flying did, did, did you know potentially ty that tommy Rees was actually calling games all along yeah <laughs> no that's it we got the old the whole deep state tommy Rees theory i've read about that one and um yeah it's it's amusing to to say the least um it's it's definitely provided a wrinkle i you know, it's it's sort of like the anti-wrinkle, given the fact that, as you said, Notre Dame was sort of like the boring good football team, especially down the stretch, especially after they got hammered by Michigan when it was apparent they were out of the playoff chase and they were just going about their business. Um, Ian Book did have a really good November. Notre Dame's offense as a whole, I thought, was really good down the stretch. It wasn't against the best of competition, but nonetheless, it seems like they they certainly improved in the latter half of the season. So that was, that was all very positive, but because you didn't have them really challenging for that spot in the playoffs, it was kind of boring. Unless, unless you're fans like us, I think a lot of folks around the country weren't as attuned to Notre Dame football as they would be otherwise. So um, that in and of itself was a bit of a wrinkle, sort of the anti-wrinkle. And now you factor in this coordinator change. I don't know how much press that's going to get, on the national level, I mean, anything at Notre Dame always is, is somewhat noteworthy, but um, it's not like they're losing a head coach. I think it's more fodder for folks like you and I who, who follow the team closely, who, who kind of know the limitations of the offense and where it's been and are eager to see what could come next. Yeah, I think there would be more, at least I get the feeling, it would be more of a story if Notre Dame was struggling. Now it just, you know, it, not like it is in Alabama, like you said, but that's what happens. You know, you have coaches moving around in the ranks one way or the other. It's just what happens with the healthy program. And and I'm kind of with you, Ty. It, 
the way November laid out, and it's really through no fault of Notre Dame, because I heard you and Dan uh, talking about this on your Thursday episode, uh, you in particular said, look, the November slate was was bad by all accounts while everybody was ramping up. Notre Dame was ramping down, and and typically you would expect that Stanford game to have a little bit more impact, and it, it just wasn't there this season because Stanford was quite literally falling apart and was a mash unit. So there, there just wasn't yeah. much to build there besides, hey, they're winning the games they should win. So that's great. It's- yeah, it, it was it was a definitely a different twist come the latter part of the season. And for a team like Notre Dame, and Notre Dame isn't different than say the Yankees or Duke or I don't know any any of the other the, the Cowboys, any of the other popular national brands in sports. When when they're contending, everyone hates them. When they're not contending, everyone still hates them. If you don't root <laughs> for the team, that is right. But when they're kind of in the middle, and they're not floundering but they're also not truly contending it's eerily quiet and i think that's what we saw all throughout the month of november it was certainly a change of pace to say the least yeah and it's weird to say that about a 10 and 2 season when with one of those two losses uh being almost down to the wire against the georgia team and yeah one absolutely embarrassing moment but i mean i don't know about you ty but overall i felt like the season i mean it, it kind of met expectations at the end of the day. If we, if I go back to where I felt I was in July or August, the season went about how I expected slash hope, maybe not as bad. Maybe I wanted the Michigan game to be a little bit more competitive, but other than that, I mean, 10 and two seems fine. Weird that they're out of the new year six, but the way the, those bowls are aligned, it, it's just kind of the way it shook out. But I mean, are you disappointed, uh, apathetic, happy? How are you feeling overall about the season? Well, I remember, gosh, when did we talk last? So I guess we talked in August. It was in August. We yes. were down, yeah, we were down in Dallas. And I, I remember going through Notre Dame's season, the prospects of Notre Dame's season. And at the time, it wasn't just me. This wasn't any great wisdom, but it, it felt like as you looked at the schedule, the season was going to run through games in Athens, Ann Arbor, and Palo Alto. Now, the Palo Alto one, as you said, that didn't quite work out. But otherwise, it was pretty spot on. You know, the game in Athens is, is sort of what set the tone for the rest of Notre Dame's season. They happened to catch, they happened to catch Michigan at a time when Michigan was, was starting to come into its own and, and get a better grip on its new system on offense. And that was a bad matchup for Notre Dame that, that clearly didn't go the way we would have liked. And so that's how they finished 10-2. and 10-2 and two is not anything to balk at. Obviously, Notre Dame's always in a position where they want to try and contend for a playoff, for a national championship, for a top five, for whatever. But um, 10 and 2, to get to a point where 10 and 2 is essentially boring, I think speaks volumes about the health of this program. So, you know, that being what it is, um, I I do think the season, at least personally for me, met a a lot of the expectations that I had. And I, I don't mean to like besmirch the name of Ian Book. I think Ian Book's a really good college quarterback, but he has limitations. And as a fan, that's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to see a game like we saw uh, against Georgia, like we saw against Michigan, where um, it seems like he's terrified of the oncoming pass rush, where he's not willing to stretch the field. And, you know, we, we may never know if that's due to play calling, if that's due to receivers not getting open, if that's due to some sort of trepidation on the part of Ian Book. I, I don't know enough to know what exactly caused that, but um, 
that was frustrating. And I'll say it was frustration that I think I expected going into the season, um, knowing his limitations beyond that on offense. Um, I think we knew that the running game was going to be a concern and the running game was a concern all year, granted some injuries there, but we, we expected that that would be a bit of an open question. And to some end, it still is an open question, even after the season. Um, and then on the defensive side, I, I think we, I remember we talked about the linebacking core and how there was a lot of turnover at linebacker. It was, it was again, an open question about how that unit was going to perform. And um, I think by and large, like you said, Clark Lee has been a, a really good promotion. Clark Lee did an admirable job with this defense. Certainly they had a lot of great pass rushers up front. And the back half of their defense in the secondary, uh, particularly at safety, is really strong. But there, there were some shaky spots in the middle. And again, that sort of met expectations. So um, I, I don't think you can look at this Notre Dame season and, and truly be disappointed if you follow the team because so much of this was telegraphed before the year even started. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm right there with you. We always want things to go better, but. You know, at the end of the day, it, it kind of was where we felt like it was going to be. And, and who knows, maybe next year they they overachieve a little bit. And some of those new recruits come in, the new toys and and maybe maybe the new offense just just goes up, up the window or, or through the roof, rather not out the window. That sounds like a terrible idea uh, through the roof with uh, maybe it is one Thomas Rees. Um, but Ty, uh, initially, the idea to bring you on here was to to also have a little bit of fun because uh, I mentioned uh, I had you on it's a couple of years ago uh, when I was doing the Final Fantasy thing. This time I am doing zelda gonna be doing 24 ah. hours of that and i said yeah. well, it's like i'm curious uh, ty you know uh, i asked you back in on it's like it's like have you ever played any of the zelda games you like it? you're like yes so i'm like okay well we'll save it for december so here we are from august to december i am interested to find out like how you got into the series uh you know was it the nes days the snes days kind of what was your history with it yeah it was it was definitely the nes days um I, I remember vividly the music from the games and you know, it's um, it's funny how some of those early titles stick with you in, in weird ways. You know, I think back to some of the sports games with the, the tech mobiles and you remember the, the thing that sticks out to me about a tech mobile game is you had four plays that you could pick from. And right. There were certainly other games, the Mario games that had different twists and turns, but that for whatever reason, what I remember most about Zelda was the music. It always had that like fantasy feel to it that has stuck with me through all these years. And I obviously I loved pretty much anything for the old Nintendo, but Zelda was like a classic example of a game that I just couldn't get enough of. You started playing it, you just couldn't put it down. Yeah, and, and the music has always been something. I think the Zelda games really got me into like, oh, this video game music can be something that sticks with you. Uh, but I got into it in the SNES days. I never had an NES. I, I now get to relive it with the NES Classic. So my first Zelda game was A Link to the Past. I was like, well, as a part of this, let me play the games I've never played before. And it was a almost a shock to, to be thrown back into the 80s. And the game is just kind of like, here you are. Go do stuff. We're not telling you anything. 
And I didn't realize like a map came with the game because I ran around confused for like the first couple of hours. <laughs> like, like how, how did you get like through that? Were you like charting out maps? Were you making notes on the little insert that came with the instructions? Like, how are you doing all that? Yeah, I never I, I never quite got to that level with it. It was mostly playing in tandem with friends ah, okay. and sort of, sort of working together to try and beat various levels and, and get through the game. Um, but it, you know, it was super complex and, and I will say not to, not to change the subject too much and, and jump ahead, but the new version of Zelda that you can play for the Nintendo switch, it's like so robust in terms of a map that, right. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, you could truly get lost in that game if you don't have like um, some amount of memorization going on as you're playing this thing. So they've, they've come a long way. It's only gotten harder in that respect. And um, it, it was truly one of those games in the very beginning that, um, you know, you, re- <laughs> you needed to know where you were if you wanted to be successful. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny saying, because uh, that was even the realization I came to, because as I was doing this through Twitch, I had people coming in on some of my earlier streams, like helping guide me through. And I was even saying, it's like, w- was this how this had to be done back in the day? Because I'm like, without online resources or anything that, you know, to depend on, it's like everybody just had to like be going to school. And it's like, well, how did you do this? Or I'll oh, come over this week and we'll figure out like level four or whatever, because that, that's the only way I could see being able to put this stuff through because it's not that the game was necessarily evil or at least the first one, uh, by any means, it was just, um, it, like I said, it just kind of threw you out in the middle of this, you know, ocean of Hyrule without a raft and life support. And you just had to go figure out how to swim one way or the other. And, and what's, what's so funny about that era of video games versus today is today you can go online and you can find a YouTube video. You can find like a super cut that's sped up at like 15 X and you can see someone walk through the entire process. But back in like the late eighties, the early nineties, if you wanted anything remotely close to it, you couldn't go to YouTube. You had to like send away for a special cheat version of Nintendo power. <laughs> yes. And then in that, <laughs> yeah, they would. Yeah. Right. And, and in that magazine, they would give you still frame shots of what to look for as like your cue to know what to do to go to like the right spot on the map. And it, I, it's what we had at the time. It's what we did. It was, hey, this is great. It's, it, it almost felt like you were getting the keys to the Forbidden City, that you were cheating here, getting like some divine wisdom in order to get through the game. Um, Nowadays, by by today's standards, that would be archaic. You know, I wouldn't even think about doing that nowadays. It's just um, incredible how far we've come in that respect. Well, not only that, I I remember not only did you have the Nintendo Power magazines, but you had the Nintendo Power one nine hundred hint line. I can, <laughs> I right. can right. only imagine because I I got to like I convinced my parents a couple times. I. I it might've been like two or three times I was actually allowed to call in. Cause I'm like, I'm stuck. I'm trying to figure everything out. And my friends know, and like to placate me, they're like, okay, but you got to get this question answered in like two minutes or whatever it was. So I remember that. And, and I was always so fascinated as a kid. I think like when I called in, I'm like somewhere between uh, like the ages of eight to 12 or something like that. 
I'm like, how, how do these people have this like vast knowledge and information? And I, you know, if I tell my kids this now, when they get older, it's like, yeah, you're sitting here like looking up YouTube. Here's how I had to do it back in the day. I'm just going to get this glazed over. Like, nah, you're making this up. There's no way it was this bad. <laughs> do they, do they still have one 900 numbers? I'm guessing they probably do. Um, in hindsight, what a racket that was. It really was For video gamers to call in, <laughs> to get tips. What a racket. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm sure something like that exists. It's almost like, you know, think about it. Just, uh, I mean, in podcasting and stuff like what, what we've both done on the regular that is out there for free for downloading on all these devices that are, you know, on your phone now, not just, you know, a big computer, but it can be on your phone. And, you know, people were charging one, 900 rates for you to call into a sports news line for somebody to read box scores to you. He's, it's, yeah. it's so crazy what the how much the internet has changed thing from sports and the gaming and uh yeah and it's it's amazing like without the 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 help of the twitch chat i know i wouldn't have survived even with finding online maps as well because it's like oh here's random walls that you got a bomb and everything and you cannot beat the dungeon unless you figure this out <laughs> um yeah no, did you ever- it's, it's it's remarkable yeah did you ever play the second one the the links uh the adventure of link I never got much into that one. Yeah, oh I never, boy. I never got much into that one. I was, I was, I was pretty big on the original. The original was like an all-time favorite of mine, and I, I was certainly familiar with the second one. But I just never, I never, for whatever reason, got as into it as the original title. It is. Oh my gosh, it's driving me up the wall. Like I, I was about to rage quit it on the streams. I'm actually going to complete it for my marathon because uh, now I'm almost uh, all the way through. So now I feel like it's. I, I feel like Ty. It's a matter of principle at this point. I got to beat this damn thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. But it, I mean, in comparison, that one was just so frustratingly annoying. I, I don't blame you for not getting into it because goodness, uh, the learning curve on that was incredibly steep having lives, having to chart you over again and again and again. I've, uh, people have laughed at my pain to say the least. So let me, trying to play this thing. Let, let me ask, let, let me ask you a question now, since I know you've, you've been doing this for a couple of years for a great cause. Um, what what are the various games? Remind me for a second. The various games that you have played as so, part of your marathon. So what I've done the very first year I did this, where I had no idea what I was doing, uh, I played and I did it in the middle of the college football season, which was a very bad idea. I played yeah, a, a combi- horrible idea. Yeah, yeah, I played it in the <laughs> co- combination of Final Fantasy fourteen. I think I played some Fallout four, and ended with one of the Civilization games. I forget which one it was. And then I was like, well, let me do this more focused. And that's when I did Final Fantasy 15 back when uh, I had you on last. And then last year I was like, well, let's extend this out a little bit longer. Let's try not to put all our eggs in one basket. Let's try to extend some stuff. So I did the entire Mass Effect series, which uh, I played something I was familiar with, something I liked, something I knew uh, would get a bigger audience. And then for this one, I was like, I want to do, you know, I got an NES classic. I like to play the old Zeldas. Let's make it a, a Zelda marathon. So in this particular year, I did the original Zelda. I played the remake of Link's Awakening. And then I have started on um, the, the Adventure of Link, which I'm determined to beat. But the, the one I'm really excited to kick off is uh, A Link to the Past has been one of my all-time favorites. So I'm going to do that. But now, now with the craziness that they have with modern technology, there's actually ways for people to control and have things happen in that game through Twitch. 
So it's going to be a crowd oh, control. Yeah. And, and if enough money gets raised, uh, I will actually trigger something that will randomize where the items appear in the game. So, so the, the wow. bow and arrow may not be in the first dungeon. It could be somewhere else in the world that I don't know about. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff that we could end so, up doing there. So he, here's where I'm going with this. All righty. Next year. Next year. I, I mean, it's never too early to start planning what your game is going to be for next year. Let me put in. So given the fact that you've got all this time that, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got to kill as part of an online stream. Let me cast an early vote for a computer game that was a favorite of mine that would also be a huge time sink and would certainly require um, much patience to make it through. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, the, original, the original King's Quest. Oh, God, I knew that's what you were going to go to. Oh, man. <laughs> I, remember, I remember clear as day, and I'm not, it probably wasn't the original King's Quest, but I remember clear as day there was... Uh, a, a specific challenge in King's Quest, where in order to wade through a boiling spring, you had to drop in a head of iceberg lettuce, <laughs> and that—that's—it <laughs> stuck with me because that that may have been the most random challenge that I could ever remember in my days of playing role-playing video games. So King's Quest always stuck with me. And so let me let me throw that one out there. Also, it's tough to get it's tough to get better than the original Mist. I have tough never to get better than that series. I've never touched anything in that series. I have I forgot which King's Quest it was. As uh, we got some gateway computer back in the day when when they were a oh, big yeah. deal. When everyone had the gateway computer. Exactly. And, and we had one yeah. for our house and I don't know how if it was something that was on there already. But it was one of the King's Quest games. I I, I want to say it was four. I, I don't know, but I barely remember any of it. All I remember was my sister and I were like desperately trying to figure out how to like advance in the game. And it just seemed like we end up in this endless loop. And I think we just kind of said, okay, we're done. <laughs> we don't know what's going on anymore. We're, we're, we're done with this. Yeah, but, oh, it was, it, gosh, the, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. The iceberg lettuce in King's Quest was on the Isle of the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out exactly which one this was. Uh, it was King's Quest Six, apparently. Oh wow! So, so it's way up in the series, um, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh wow, because it was up there, and oh wow, they made six of these. Um, but some some of the challenges in that game would be awesome for the late night crowd on Twitch because just to go back and, and try to figure some of that stuff out again for the second time would be, it, it would hold your interest before putting you to sleep. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you get some enjoyment out of that. Yeah. It has been interesting to go back into the, the retro stuff and, and just uh, also thinking of like, if somebody tried this now, like if somebody like a triple a title required you to drop an, a head of iceberg lettuce into something that was hot so you could cross it it would be lambasted as one of the worst I'll ideas ever <laughs> and, and we have a game yeah. out with uh hideo kojima that's considered uh art right now that i still want to play by the way which is basically a guy in a post-apocalyptic united states norman reedus delivering packages 
that's an actual concept for a game it's it's crazy to think of how far we've come what we've can do there's that's one i've wanted to play on stream only because of uh some of the absurdity because i don't know if you ever played any of the metal gear solid games but uh oh yeah sure oh goodness kojima he's he's got an interesting mind well let's just leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um you have options in the computer space Oh yes, loads. Um, if you decide you want to, if you want to delve into some PC games, some of those old retro PC games give you give you a lot of opportunity. That um, well, you know where my vote is. One of the old King's Quests, but some of those old games are the challenges are ridiculous. The the plot lines are goofy. The <laughs> the graphics are obviously very bad, but um, they they hold a special place in my heart. Yeah, they they always do. It's it's amazing what we we hold on to from childhood or first experiences into things and heck even for me uh diving into it now like damn near 30 years after the fact which is crazy to say uh these, these things still do have a bit of charm with it uh Link, links uh the adventure of link may not be holding up too well but the original zelda i still think about how kind of fascinating that game was and uh what they were able to do with it so it's really cool but ty i want to thank you for taking the time helping me uh help fight pediatric cancer, helping out the children's hospital foundation of Oklahoma city. And hopefully uh, we can get a bunch more donations and stuff to roll in and folks uh, to be able to do that, head over to extra And that will forward over to the donation page and you can make your donation there. And then Ty, until next time, you know, enjoy the little bit of a breather you have. I know you, you got a big bowl pool, bowl confidence picks to start iring out and picking i know you have various systems you gotta sit there and plug things into so i'm looking forward to hearing everything on the solid verbal but uh where else can people find you yeah thanks so we yep you can find us at solidverbal.com that's our our website where you can find all our old stuff we we are a podcast we continue podcasting all throughout the off season so anywhere you get a podcast you can just search for the solid verbal you can find our show we're out there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to look me up, I am at Ty Hildenbrandt, T-Y-H-I-L-D-E-N-B-R-A-N-D-T um, on Twitter and all the other social channels as well. Um, I want to commend you for the, for the good work you're doing here. You know, th- cancer touches so many people and pediatric cancer is, is especially heartbreaking. So um, anything that, that we can do that you can do to help um, further the cause and defeat this is is really meaningful. So I, I commend you on a job well done here. I would encourage everyone who, who might be listening to this now go out and donate to to the cause. It's um, it, it's important that we all sort of join forces and do our best to to get rid of this awful disease. Well, I, I appreciate the. The, the very, very kind word, sir. And yes, uh, just doing a small part. It's, it's always fun to do stuff that you enjoy and, and turn it around to a good cause. So I'm very happy to do it. Very happy to do it in honor of Avon and we'll keep on trucking. We're, we're doing great right now. And, and maybe we will reach that pie in the sky. I never thought we could get their $10,000 goal. We, we could very well do that. So hopefully we're with your help tie with the solid verbal bump. I think we can get there. I hope so. I hope so. We're glad to, uh, to help any way we can. All right. Well, folks, uh, that is Ty Hildebrand. Make sure you catch him over at the solid verbal and, and Ty, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Take care.
And again, I want to thank Ty for coming on, uh, chatting a little bit of Notre Dame football, chatting some Zelda, and giving me a few ideas for future Extra Life campaigns. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how far I dive into the bin of very old PC games. You never know. There's always many different streams we can do. But next up, as I said, is Vicki Lewis-Ernst. She works for the Children's Hospital Foundation in Oklahoma City. Uh, she has is in contact with every Extra Life streamer, uh, was somebody that appeared as words of encouragements and comments every time I signed up to raise money for the Children's Hospital Foundation, Oklahoma City. And then as uh, this entire effort grew, thanks to all of you, uh, I, I have very little to do with this. All of y'all are actually powering this, uh, has has helped me a little bit more uh, through every year. So I wanted to bring her on this year to talk to you about all the wonderful things that the Children's Hospital Foundation does and the Children's Hospital as well. So without further ado, let's bring in Vicki. Well, folks, we are joined uh, doing something different in this year for Extra Life. We are joined by Vicki Lewis Ernst, and she is, uh, you may have heard me say, I've got a contact at the hospital if you have any questions. This is my contact from the hospital. Uh, Vicki is one of the people uh, that deals with uh, different uh, corporate partner specialists is her title, uh, but she also deals with not just myself in Extra Life, but all the other Extra Life efforts. So Vicki, uh, first off, thank you for taking the time to, to join us on this crazy marathon. It is my pleasure. Thank you. And so what I want to do is, you know, I've been able to visit there. I got a chance to finally take a look at the facility uh, this past spring, but I wanted to make sure to bring you on to give a little bit deeper insight to what the hospital does on a day-to-day basis. Uh, And one of the things that struck me when I was there, it's, you know, was said was it was the only freestanding children's hospital in the entire state of Oklahoma. Like why, first off, why is that such a big deal? It is a big deal because we take care of kids in all 77 counties of the state. Um, And for instance, in in Tulsa, Tulsa is also a children's medical network hospital uh, because they do have a children's uh, uh, children's wing on their St. Francis hospital. But, when we look at the numbers coming out of the county or the different counties, and I can tell you this, in 2018, we took care, uh, our patient encounters were over 242,000. That's 664 patient encounters a day. Wow. And just in Tulsa County, we still, their numbers were 5,941. We are where the real specialists are, and it it takes a a really special uh, group of doctors and nurses and staff um, that are really experts in in helping treat kids, and we are lucky enough that we have those. And, And one of the things that the foundation is really good about, we are very instrumental in going out and finding those specialists to uh to be there for the kids. Now there are 170 children's hospital, uh, children's medical network hospitals in Canada and the United States. And of course, there are more children's hospitals than that. But to be a children's medical network hospital, you have got to be doing research. 
for cures and better treatments for these kids. And when they are not in clinic or they are not doing their rounds, the hospitals, they are, their main focus is research. So we have some of the best in our area. And um, to me, that, that, that's the big thing. Of course, we also help out uh, with equipment. Um, for instance, we had a plea last year for what's called a peapod for diabetes research. And we were able to get that piece of equipment. And then our third main thing is to make sure that no child is turned away because they can't pay for treatment. So those are kind of the main functions that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. And I, re- I remember Vicki uh, at the end of the tour, when we were talking uh, the, your second point where they said, you know, having to do research where you just flat out said, yeah, you know, when, Doctors aren't there, uh, especially uh, those involved with uh, cancer treatment. Their job is to, it's job one, take care of the kids. Job two, cure cancer. It's, it's, it's that simple as a, a hierarchy exactly. there. And so that's, that kind of brings, um, you know, kind of uh, trying to pivot a little bit to where my funds end up going because everybody that is watching and that has donated has been so gracious to put me over the $5,000 mark now twice. Uh, I'm able to direct where those funds go. And uh, last year, Vicki, you had reached out after we'd hit that mark saying that, hey, you can direct this specifically to cancer research. And Blake Shelton had just opened up a fund. Uh, So kind of talk about how that came about. um, What, you know, uh, in particular, Blake Shelton's cancer research fund does. And uh, because if I remember right, it's only now like barely even a couple years old. So it's still in its infancy and uh, kind of the impact that it's had thus far. That is correct. Now, as far as the hospital goes, of course, we do so much more than 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 cancer. I mean, we do uh, dentistry, um, adolescent medicine, infectious diseases. You and I have the same drive um, for a little bit of different reasons. Of course, you have Avon um, that that is your drive. And mine, what my son was, now he did not have cancer, but he had to go for an IV drip every month, a $4,000 IV drip every month. And he went to the Jimmy Everett Cancer Center for that. So you and I have that same passion in behind us. Right. Well, Blake Shelton also had that passion. And it, it came from a family relative who was seen at our hospital. And he accredits uh, our hospital with saving her life. So uh, cancer research has been a very, very instrumental thing for him as well. So he approached us a couple of years ago and and donated $600,000 to start a cancer research um, program. And I can tell you that we have uh, William Meyer, uh, Dr. Meyer, and and I hate to say it this way, but this is kind of how it happened. In the late 1990s, uh, we stole him from St. Jude's. He was one of St. Jude's best doctors. Uh, I think he was number two in the in the world, most renowned. And he has made such wonderful strides in cancer. The the mortality uh, the the kids are 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 surviving at a much higher rate than they did several years ago, and our focus going into the next few years is going to be high, high in the cancer research. 
so we are um, th that that's going to be our our main function probably in the next ten years is really pouring a lot of money into into the cancer research. Yeah, and I remember uh, Dr. Meyer. Uh, for those that aren't aware, uh, he did he was involved in Avon's treatment. Uh, so the the picture that is up on my stream uh, with the check presentation that is with Dr. Meyer. He gave me the tour. Uh, of the hospital as well as the uh, Jimmy Ever Cancer Center uh, on top of that. Uh, and, you know, so everything's competitive, even in medicine. Uh, but I'm glad he is on uh, the Children's Miracle Network team, uh, to say the least. Uh, obviously, uh, even though the, the rates are higher, and I even remember he said uh, that the leukemia rates were getting close to 90% recovery, uh, even though Avon was in the smaller percentage, you know, the progress is still being made, uh, which is one of the the big things as well. And even, um, uh, part of Avon's treatment is he actually did hit remission. So at one point, so, uh, there's so many different strides. Uh, it is, you know, one of the, as a parent myself, one of the worst nightmares that I could ever imagine, uh, being told that my kid, uh, has cancer, but to know that, uh, there are, there are places, uh, like the, the children's miracle network of hospitals that are fighting so hard has, has been something else to, to witness and to get to see the impact it makes on, uh, all these different lives. Um, and, and like you said, we, it's amazing, uh, unfortunately how small a world it is when, you know, tragedy like this happens because, you know, uh, the two of us obviously have had, um, things affect us personally, but also somebody like Blake Shelton as well. Um, but one thing I want to talk about, uh, that struck me when I was going around the hospital was that the, the children's hospital and in, in particular, because if anybody Googles Children's Hospital Foundation, you may or may not find the actual Children's Hospital in uh, the OU Medical Facility, which is the main facility that the foundation supports. Uh, but it is very unhospital-like. There's artwork all over the walls from the kids. There are, you know, video game stands in the uh, the actual chemo rooms. There's like an Xbox there. There's libraries, artwork, and there's even a play area. One of the things that struck me was that not only are you fighting the diseases and trying to heal the uh, actual physical ailments, but also try to let these kids actually be kids as well and not just a patient. Absolutely. One of the things that is a main focus of the hospital is for it to be a kid friendly uh, facility. We do have we, the, the stained glass butterflies, uh, the artists, that created those were very specific about how they hang from the ceiling to cast certain colors uh, when the light comes in at different days. It, it, it's magical. Two of my favorite things at the hospital is that playground area that's uh, up on the sixth floor that's, that's kind of in an atrium type area. And the kids love going out there. Um, it, it's padded. If anybody falls, it, they're, they're super safe. But it looks like a little store fronts and, and they can get out there and play. And one of the other really cool things, um, and it's in the dialysis center, they have an interactive um, video game where it's soccer on the floor. and when they're feeling good, they can get up and kind of kick that ball around. And it, it's fun to watch. They don't have to have an actual ball. They're, they're kicking a virtual ball and having a good time. So it's, it, it's one of the main focuses. We, we want it to feel 
when they can get out of the room and escape that hospital feel. So it, that is very important to us and the kids. Yeah, it it, it almost reminds me of uh, there, there's a commercial right now, and I I forget uh, for the life of me what it is, but it's like a service dog coming in uh, as the treatment for the day instead of it actually being you know the the girl you know holds out her arm saying that's like okay it's treatment time again it's like now we're gonna do something a little bit different uh anytime i see that it does remind me uh, of that as uh as well all the various features that are out there because i it, it's it's hard to remember um you know that yes you're trying to heal a kid but at the same time there's there's just this little soul in there that is you know scared and and it feels like they're not able to get the same chances as other children do. Um, and even, you know, my kids were out there playing and there was a couple other kids that were out there and it, it's honestly, I couldn't tell if they were patients at the hospital or not, just because of the joy that was on every kid's face that was there. Right. For all, for, right. For all I know they've been there for months upon months, but uh, they, they just get that chance to be a kid. And that's one thing I think is so cool uh, about, uh, and all the children's miracle hospitals uh, do that as well. Uh, you know, not just, you know, there, there's many different ways uh, into doing care. So yes, uh, actually doing the physical treatment, not turning people away. Uh, but that, that kind of stuff right there is invaluable to, to healing and stuff as well. It's, it's so cool. Uh, and, and really if anybody have ever, you know, your local hospitals that are out there, obviously there's one near and dear to my heart, but I, I would encourage you to go out and see, uh, what they do. Um, well, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other efforts, because obviously I'm very focused and very insular in my effort uh, in going after that number one spot uh, for fundraising. But I'm not the only person uh, that does uh, extra life for the hospital. In fact, this year, there's been a ton of events. Uh, I think there was a specific miracle con for the hospital. Uh, there's Game HQ, uh, who's done something annually. So kind of talk about some of the other efforts that have gone on for the hospital and the impacts they've made. Absolutely. So um, your arch nemesis, which is Game HQ, uh, they're putting you in second place right now. But I, I got to tell you, man, I am so super proud of you because you are definitely my number one streamer. So you're doing this all on your own. I love it. Uh, but Game HQ, this was their sixth year. And um, the Game HQ event, so Game HQ is a uh, board gaming store down in Moore, Oklahoma. And Amber Hannigan, she kind of runs that whole event down there. And she works with them. And this was their sixth year. And they have totally blown me away. I think their first year, I think what she told me was they raised about $600. So in this six years, they have been able to manage this year they did over ten thousand dollars at that event which is totally incredible um i and then i have a board um it, it's run uh, mike datalo is my president and i have just honestly lucked in to the best people uh, i can't i can't believe it and this year so i told them a couple of years ago, I went to a, a sooner con and I was looking around and I thought, you know, we could do this and we could add more video games and more board games and create our own con. So I talked to my board and they uh, put 
the ideas and ran with it. And so this year we started MiracleCon, which ended up being amazing. Um, we were going to be happy if we got 200 people to come to this, and we were going to be happy if we broke even for our first year. And we had so many wonderful compliments. People could not believe it was our first year in doing this. And we had over 600 people. And after the bills were paid, we, we still had $4,000 to, to give to the kids. So I have a feeling in a few years, this thing is going to be a beast. Um, now, I will tell you that in February 29th, um, we are teaming up with the Thunder. And we are going to have an all-day event. Um, it's going to be several video tournaments throughout the day. Uh, we're going to have vendors. And the day is going to bleed into the game in the evening of the Thunder Blues um, team, which play right across the street. This is their farm team. Now, I say farm team, but they still have three of the Thunder players that play on the blue team. They play both teams. Uh, when they can, and they still have rumble, they still have uh, the the cheerleaders, they still have the drum line that come out to these games. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna have a, a big event with them, and it'll bleed into the game, and it, they'll do highlights throughout the game. And then also, I've just started talking to, uh, about an event for 2021. So be on the lookout for a possible extra life cruise. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Wow. That, fun. that would be something it, else as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible to see everything that's gone on. I, I, I'm hopeful that I can tag on to one of these events. Uh, I have a feeling if I, if I mention a cruise, uh, I, I think somebody else in my house will want to tag along to that for sure. Oh, as well. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, the really cool thing is, uh, it's not just us that, that are facilitating these events. I keep hearing uh, static coming to me. Oh, yeah, I went to an Extra Life event at such and such. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know about it. But, you know, I, then I'll go and look and I'll see the numbers coming in. So I love that people are taking that initiative to really get out there and create their own events. Um, one of the things that we really need more of are people like you the people that are doing the streaming. Uh, one, of, one of our top goals is to become a guild. And it, it's going to take 65 people raising $75 or more to be a guild. We're getting awful close. We're great at events, but we, we need those streamers like you. Well, we can definitely see if we could try to, to get some more folks like that, uh, as well. Uh, cause I've always encouraged, you know, people it's like, Oh, how hard is it? It's, it's not hard at all to actually do it. It's really easy to fire up. I mean, by all means, contact me in any form of social media, email, however, you know how to get a hold of me. I will be happy to show you all the ropes. Obviously we would love you to come on board for our team, but, uh, Look, if, if you have a local hospital near and dear to your heart, obviously I would understand that as well. Uh, but that is something uh, I, I have done. And, and anytime I, I talk about it, it is, yeah, you know, because it's funny to hear Game HQ. The first year I did this, I think my mark was just above $800. And then the second year I did 2000 and I got to 2000. 
Uh, and it's always funny. It's hilarious of, of what ends up working. I got to 2000 because I was sick as a dog and I got my friend saying, Hey, you're close to 2000. If you finish off, uh, cause they had sent me something, uh, uh, as a part of a, a groomsman gift, it's like, Hey, if you finish that off, we'll, we'll donate, you know, take that <laughs> shot. We'll, we'll, we'll get you to 2000. And, and that's how the booze I think started getting born. <laughs> there. Yeah. From what I understand, your, your last one was a huge event <laughs> for you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been really crazy. Uh, uh and, uh, it, it's, it's been the thing that keeps people tuning in, keeps people, uh, uh, laughing and, and I have good friends that like to see bad things happen to me, but Hey, that's, it's, it's all for <laughs> the kids. The best kind of friends. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Vicki, I want to thank you so much. And also thank you for the work that you do, um, as well, uh, to see, I, I mean, I got to, I was in this little isolated, uh, kind of pocket and, and to be able to see the, the greater efforts that have been going on is, is definitely a driver. Uh, and something that's really cool to see in my inbox all the time, what everybody is doing. And hopefully we will hit that $10,000 goal in this marathon and maybe surpass it and see if I can't give game HQ a little bit of a scare, but we got a long way to go. Uh, but Vicky, thank you so much. Um, highly appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else that you want to mention that maybe we haven't touched on as far as, you know, things that are done at the children's hospital or other charity efforts, uh, uh, by me, by all means, let us know. Well, I do want to mention something, and maybe this will help drive people to really support you um, in, in your next endeavor, mainly because, okay, so listen to this. So in 2017, uh, late in 2017 is when I took over Extra Life, and at that point, uh, we were raising about 19000 a year. We are right now about $2,000 away. From $40,000. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we have doubled in that time. Um, and last year, we raised 23000 So, no, 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 32000 So we we've already beat last year. But I really want to hit, I really want to hit that 40000 So we, we need about $2,000 more. All right. Well, if I get to that $10,000 goal, that will absolutely get us there. So I got two things to shoot for now. So, so thank you for dropping that nugget on us. That's, that's a good one to know. All right. Well, y'all heard it. Let's, let's start breaking some milestones and some records, not just for myself, uh, before the children's hospital foundation as well. Vicki, thank you so much for your time again. Thank you for all that you do. Can't wait to chat with you again after this craziness is all over. Uh, I, I look forward to it. And thank you for everything that you do. I couldn't do it, all of this without you guys. That's well, for sure. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's a good bit of fun and uh, I love doing it. I look forward to it every year. Wonderful. Well, good luck on your event. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And it's going to do it for this special edition of the HLS podcast. I want to thank both Ty and Vicky for their time for coming on and for you and for everybody that donated. Please make sure to be generous and spread the word extralife.ndtext.com. Again, that is extralife, all one word, .ndtext.com. Hope to see you at the marathon and let's hit that 10K goal and let's do everything we can to beat pediatric cancer. Have a good one.